This is Jan Cox, talk number 2560, recorded August 4th, 2000. I just thought this afternoon that I'll bet each and every one of you have mystical abilities of which you've never, about which you've never thought. Or never noticed, because I bet you haven't noticed. On the news, when they go to a commercial break, they constantly do teasers about stay tuned and what's coming up the next segment. And it seems to me that it never fails that they'll use something like this. Let's see. Coming up next, from a, and then they'll be, you can take your choice, from a former Miss America. Coming up from the coach of the Super Bowl champions or from one of Hollywood's leading actors. It'll be something like that. Anyway, they'll say, coming up next, a former Miss America has a message that she says everyone needs to hear. And then they go off. Now, here's, here's how it struck me that you, and truth is, a lot of people, have mystical abilities that you never thought about. Tell me this. Do you not know that it's going to be bad news? So you just never thought about it, but you know it's not going to come back. And it's Miss America or a leading actress or a famous sports figure. And they say, in a surprise uh, press conference today, here it is. And the former Miss America says, I just wanted to take this opportunity to tell everybody that life can be more fun than you can imagine. You just, you know, what the hell, you shouldn't sweat it. You know? I was Miss America and I was a big shot for a year and now I'm nobody. But, you know, hell, what the hell. Well, anyway, I just wanted to say that because I bet a lot of you hadn't thought about it. Yeah, right. You know, it's going to come up that she has some message about how important it is for women to guard against ingrown toenails. Or, you know. Here's the news. <laughs> the serious news for the night. Headline concerning the complaints people have with themselves and their behavior. Consider this. If everything you do is the result of molecular activity, and your you is also a manifestation of such activity, then it is not correct to say that you do things by causing appropriate molecular activity, for it was molecular activity that caused you to do what you did in the first place. Thus, a closer description would be, there is some molecular activity that, I, that occurs in you that other molecular activity says should not occur, but which it seems powerless to stop. The secret word in the great secret struggle to see the truth is in the above word, says, as in. The source of the agitation that drives the desire for enlightenment is that there is some molecular activity that occurs in you that other molecular activity says says, should not occur, but which it seems powerless to stop. Some molecular activity in you says that certain other molecular activity in you should not be there. Can a hand dissatisfied with itself grab itself and throw itself away? The brain is the only organ that can look both outward at the world and inward at itself. 
an ability with direct bearing on the challenge of awakening, and one seldom given sufficient consideration. The brain alone can say, I can look out and I can look in. But who is there to realize the significance of this fact and the illusion it produces in the mind? After enduring numerous inconveniences <clears throat> and an extensive journey, a man located a certain renowned sage in his secluded mountain retreat and begged to ask a question, which proved to be, Honored sir, once you know what's going on, will that forever keep you from acting otherwise? And the mystic replied, Get the hell out of here with that kind of moronic drivel. And the man was greatly pleased that his trip had not been wasted. Now a question for you. Can an enlightened man spill a drink? If he is allowed to do so, then this question. Is he permitted to swear about it? And if this is tolerated, another question. Is it then acceptable for him to feel guilty over both spilling a drink and getting mad about it? Answer. Get the hell out of here with that moronic drivel. A man who knows what's going on doesn't play that game. And one man was disturbed to find snakes in his underwear drawer. But things balanced themselves out when he discovered underwear in his snake drawer. <laughs> A man who knows what's going on plays the shots as he finds them. Only those who don't know imagine that anything else is possible. To live an ordinary mental existence is to take moronic drivel as being more or less how things really are. Psst. A man who knows how to use his brain doesn't play that game. A boy asked a sage, what does thinking have to do with being awake? Nothing, he replied. Then what does reading have to do with achieving enlightenment? Nothing, he replied. Then what does talking about it have to do with becoming liberated? Nothing, he replied. Then why am I here talking to you? You tell me, he replied. And the lad said nothing, seeing that such had been the sages replied to all of his questions. There is much that will encourage a man to talk, external circumstances, his internal molecular condition, but almost nothing that encourages him to shut up. Moral. Some things you have to do for yourself. Question. Can you actually do anything for yourself? And some of one man's molecules said to him, don't answer that. In case you hadn't noticed, they do that a lot. They just don't use those words. Even if he wanted to. If he's not home, how can a man ring his own doorbell? There was once a field of pumpkins who developed an ability close to thinking and almost immediately fell seriously reflective and sought the meaning of pumpkin existence. After many seasons of futile effort, only one pumpkin realized the goal, <clears throat> and it was discovered that he was hollow. Since my earlier pumpkin story has proven to be so popular, I have written another one.
In a certain pumpkin patch, a great discussion arose as to which was the controlling factor in the life and behavior of an individual pumpkin. Heredity or the environment. And finally one day, from one of the gourds, a voice declared, My seeds made me do it. But I produced my seeds. But then again, my seeds are what caused me to be a pumpkin that produces seeds. And so no pumpkin ever came to understand the life of pumpkins, save for a few who finally realized what was actually revealed by the conundrum, quote, my seeds made me do it. But then again, just time enough to slip in a combined quickie tip. It is not physically possible to both talk and be home at the same time. And one man mused, well, that would certainly explain my many extended and unexplained absences. A mystic thinking about his feet can't stand on his own two feet or however many he has. And suddenly, just from over in that direction, a voice cries out, I got it. I finally got it. Eh. Until I said that, now I've lost it again. Oh, well, there's always tomorrow. If you're snoozing and don't realize what's going on all around you. Once a year, I sort of stumble into that and always refrain from talking about it much. It just seems as though when I hear me start that it has the potential to sound too close to mere philosophical puffery that I can't resist because here it is, I've written something close again. Does everyone know that from a mystical view, from an awakened view, that there is no tomorrow? Except literally, there is no tomorrow. There is no later. That is the I would say, I'll speak from thinking back to experience. That was one of the most frightening and liberating simultaneously being peaks that I can still recall. Because you can certainly read about such notions and philosophers themselves, non-mystics, I'm aware that there have been just mere thinkers, have pointed out that they would normally say in a sense there is no tomorrow because all we have is now, and even religious people would say still in a theoretical sense, although they take it to be spiritually valid, they would say that we have no tomorrow since the gods do not promise it to us, and therefore we must live only for the present. But even some philosophers have pointed out that in a sense, tomorrow, any other time than now doesn't exist. We just think it does. Because then when tomorrow gets here, it's now. And that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you that it is of extreme practical value. It is the very cusp of being awake. Well, let me rephrase that. It is 
It's like the super, it's like the far end, the avant-garde, the front edge of a comet in the attempt to awaken. That no matter what you're doing, if, you, if you'll notice, you're constantly, once you find something you like to do or once you're caught up in some form of condemnation of yourself, well, I keep doing the same thing, I got to watch that, and here I go. Whatever it is, all of that entails, without people giving it any analyzation, all of it entails somewhere just in front of where you are now. It always entails tomorrow, in quotation marks. Well, hell, there I did again. But what you're saying is, well, I caught it, and therefore, you know, next time this happens, you're an idiot. You're a moron. You know I'm being funny, because we all do it. We all go through it. So you're not being an idiot, but you're dealing with something that is an absolute illusion. Because it's not, with someone attempting to do this, whether you see it or not, I'll let it go. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you outright, I know this for a fact from experience. I know it. It is not philosophical for us. If you're attempting, as we call it, to change your state of mind, your state of consciousness, there literally is no tomorrow. It's not spiritual. It's not theoretical. It's not philosophical. It's sleep-producing. It's what it is. It's idiocy. It's blinding yourself that y'all do better. The more you swear you'll do better, well, not the more, but... It's just an illusion. You can't do any better than you're doing right this second. It's not possible. And you can say you are, and I know that you can believe you are. And plus the mind will look backwards and believe it has something to back this up. Like, well, look how much I've improved. I'm not near as clumsy and forgetful as I used to be, and so therefore I am gradually improving. You don't really think about it that way, but that is what happens operationally. So there is a continuing feeling in the mind with us. With other people, it doesn't matter. But with us, that yes, well, I'm not only doing better, but I will do better. And that's moronic drivel. You can't do any better. That's what's frightening, discouraging, heartbreaking. Except when you see it in a certain way, when you see it for what it is, it, right that second, it just busts your drawers. Because you realize, well, I'll never be any better. I don't have to worry about improving myself. <laughs> I guess that was kind of the way I can still remember. I realized, well, I'm horrible. I'm stupid. I'm asleep. I'm no, I'm just, I'm an embarrassment to myself. But I'm doing better. And I can still remember, I realized, right, no, I'm not. Right this second is as good as you can be. Once you understand that you're not going to change your nature. Or once, however you see it. It's just a fact. However you are right this second, that's it. Don't worry about I wish I was like Buddha. That's it. Only Buddha is like Buddha. Only you can be you. That was not a philosophical cop-out for you. You can't be any better than you are now. And to realize that at first is downright frightening. To literally see that. And you have to see it. The words won't do it. But to see that right this second, I'll never be any better than what I am right now. It is not possible. End of story. And at first, it just give you the sh shivers. Maybe the first few times until you realize, ah. Of course, then you think about it and you go back to getting the shivers. 
And you think, well, next time I realize I won't think about it. <coughs> yes, sir. Back to the news. In an attempt to explain the occurrence of unwanted behavior in his domain, a king said, I cannot be responsible for everything that happens somewhere in the kingdom. Every little thing. Is a man personally responsible for what goes on in his liver? Obviously not. Is a man personally responsible for what goes on in his mind? The answer to that one is not as apparently obvious as the mind may say that it is. And why is that, you ask? And I reply, what made you ask that? Only captives believe that they are free. But only captives also believe that they are captive. Can a hand dissatisfied with how it behaves grasp itself and hold itself still? And after having chastised himself, one man would often then say, Ah, don't be so hard on yourself. Followed quickly by asking, Who said that? I saved that for a while, so I'm going to repeat it to him. Since I only heard a laugh from one. It's this guy. I like the way I said it. it's this guy. He catches himself doing something, being taking a nap, being away from home, and he chastises himself, just like I've been talking about. But then, let's say he's been listening very recently, or he thinks he has, but he says this, you know, you damn idiot. But let's say that he, be, he believes he's been listening to me recently. So he goes, I oh, damn made it. He just says to himself, nobody knows what he did. He just did it at home in private. Oh, you fucking idiot. And he thought, nah. And then he said to himself, he said, ah, don't be so hard on yourself. Which really, from one view, seems like, well, that, that's really a better view. That's a more awakened view. Except he added a third step, sir. Maybe he has really been getting something from what I said. So he had three steps. He did. He dropped a drink. Knocked over something. and went, oh, you damn idiot. And he went, well, don't be so hard on yourself. And now it said, who said that? You've got to take into account the whole thing. He behaved in a way that, let's say, that he, and probably if it happened to us, would consider there is a perfect example of being a sleeping moron. So he did it. And just nobody there. But to himself. He said, well, you damn idiot. You know, there you are again. But then he went, ah, don't be so hard on yourself. But then, he said, he asked, who said the last one? Who said that last one? Do I have to break out the whole watercolor kit? <laughs> well, the first line seems, shall we say, mucho apropos to someone attempting to awaken. They're by themselves. No one in the world will ever know that he turned around and knocked over a glass that he had just set there on the counter. Walked all the way across the room, poured himself a glass, sat there on the edge of the counter, realized it was on the edge, made sure it wasn't, and turn around and do something, then turn back around with his arm and knocked it off. 
a second later, knowing he just said it there. And he knew what was going on because he, he knew even what he was doing. He was daydreaming about, you know, what's going to happen to my date or is that, you know, if I call that girl. You know where it was. Is the boss going to give me a raise? And he turns right around and knocks over a drink. Nobody will ever know it. But hey, he's attempting to be non-deceitful, truthful with himself, hard-nosed, relentless. So he says, well, you damn idiot, you sleeping fool. But let's assume that he's been catching on to something about the nature of what can be changed and what can be just all sorts of things. So let's assume that from one view, he makes a follow-up comment that's actually, relatively speaking, more enlightened than the one when he's said to himself, well, you damn sleeping idiot. Right after that, comfortably speaking, a bit more enlightened, let's say. He follows that up by saying, ah, don't be so hard on yourself. The same man, same brain, but you do see it would apparently be a, two different voices, or a voice coming from two different places within him. So at first he said, well, you, you sleeping idiot. He goes, ah, don't be so hard on yourself. But then, in reference to that voice that said, don't be so hard on yourself, he said, who said that? I didn't add this, but are we up to three voices? Or is the third one, when he said, who said that, is that really the first one that said, oh, you sleeping idiot? Uh-huh. <clears throat> A man asked a mystic, will you tell me what's going on in life if I ask you? Okay, replied the mystic, ask. And the man asked, what's going on in life? To which the mystic replied, whatever goes on while you're asking such questions. Now that I read that, it's not as plain. I knew what I meant. It's the man went to a mystic. And he says, will you tell me really? What's going on in life? I should have put that in. And Mr. said, okay. And the guy said, all right, tell me really. What's, what's really going on in life? And Mr. said, well, what's really going on is whatever it is going on while you're busy asking questions like that. The truth, as the untutored call it, the truth is what happens when you're not present. Solution, simple. Don't go anywhere. Be here all the time. And now some Columbus Day news. One man discovered that he couldn't be here as long as he was talking. After he heard all of the mysteries surrounding enlightenment revealed, one man said, I fail to see what's so mysterious about it. One way to look at the reason some men are so dissatisfied with their state of consciousness is because of molecular activity in the brain that identifies itself as being a noun, the mind, capable of action, thinking. May I be allowed, now that I have edited it, rewritten it, may I read this as it should be? One view of why some men are so dissatisfied with their state of consciousness is because of molecular activity in their brain that identifies itself as being both a noun and a verb, as being a thing, the mind, that is capable of action, thinking, 
Whereas the self-painted picture is a total illusion. Clear-eyed, persistent observation reveals that what goes on in the brain's consciousness does not consist of a noun and a verb. There is not a thing in there separate from what it does. Consciousness not being organized to realize this is the cause of all its confusion. This is but another way of saying that verbs, by the very definition of their existence, are not capable of seeing themselves in action unless they see an actor noun apparently responsible therefor. And finally, one man says, well, I can agree that molecular activity controls our behavior, <laughs> but not our thoughts. Okay, sir, you got me. I thought it would be good to be got right now. Uh, I would like to point out for a second. This is another view of the molecular activity in ways I was describing it last time we met and again tonight. But I do not recall having ever elaborated in this manner to this extent. Just 10 or 15 lines worth. I have mentioned it in the past in other contexts. But the illusion of the partnership the thing that you have a mind, that you have a mind that can be more awake, can be less awake, that you have mental attention that can be more alert, more conscious, or it can be kind of dozing, glassy-eyed, all of that. There's another way. I, of course, have found useful. I wouldn't bring it up. It struck me years ago, and for some reason I never feel like it plays very well with other people. But I'm going to try it again because we're back in the place to where it should be played or considered. And that is this whole thing. And I don't mean just the model I'm making up about molecular activity in the brain that calls itself I, acting as though there's other molecular activity in you that's not it. It's not just another version of that. To me, it is a very physiologically sound, observable. There's no theory behind it. The way that just hit me, that I'd, it would just hit me years ago. And it was very practical. There's molecular activity going on in every human's brain that we call consciousness. And I say, from easy observation, it produces an illusion, a sensation that no one questions. No one. Damn few mystics. That's why I say I can't. I see the difficulty after years of trying to talk about it, of people seeing it. But it creates an illusion. And the illusion, I can see, I can, it's just there. Quite physiologically, and I put it in a, I guess, a linguistic context. Consciousness, what we call the mind, conceives consciousness conceives of a mind that is a thing, that is a noun. And it conceives of it as both being a noun, a thing, and as being a thing capable of action. 
There's nothing more natural than a thing to be capable of action or to fit the definition of a verb to have a relationship with something else. But most things that humans talk about, at least about themselves, engage in some action. Your heart does something. Your kidneys do something. Your tongue does something. Your ears do something. It is a total illusion. And you cannot talk to the to consciousness directly about it. I have sure tried to think of another way to say illusion because I use it so much. It's beyond an illusion. I don't know what to call it. Which shows the precarious, the tricky situation that you're confronting if you're following what I'm saying. There's no doubt. You think that you are thinking. And if we just move it a little step downward, so to speak, or a little more specifically, it's that your brain, the part of your brain that thinks, conceives of itself, such as the cerebral cortex, if we're going to limit it just to a place, that, that, is a, that that's the mind. And that it does something. Like you can point the liver and say, that's the liver. It's a noun. That's a thing. And the liver performs these acts, performs these functions. The mind, the conscious part of the brain, thinks of itself as being a thing, like a liver, a mind. And it does things. It is capable of action. It thinks. I have no idea... It's surely in the hundreds of thousands of times that I have considered this and how to say it, if I could say it better. I do not know how to tell anybody about this, except you people, I assume, that most of you are slipping and sliding around enough that you can just kind of accidentally slide under the bar and every now and then see it. There is no way, forget trying to prove this, there's no way to really tell anybody to say you believe that you have a mind. People say yes. And you believe that the mind thinks. I go, oh, sure. That's what the mind does. The heart pumps blood. The mind thinks. I go, yeah. And I say, there's not a noun and a verb in there. There's not a thing and then actions that the thing performs. It's an illusion. It's, it's a false sensation you have. Because the thing and what it does is the same thing. Well, try it. I know my mind can work along such philosophical lines, if that's all it was. And so I, I know about what the mind will come up with under the best of conditions. Nothing. And yet, from one really solid view, that's all. The dissatisfaction is that causes people to want to, quote, awaken or achieve enlightenment. That's all it is. It's caused by a false perception. And it's not individual. It's a false perception from this view suffered by all of humanity. And I won't go into it. I've told you enough, enough times. I can see the purpose of it. I can see how it is needed. I can see it as being necessary for consciousness to perform the survival-enhancing duties that it does do. 
But our mind and our thinking, as we call it, is not a thing engaging in some activity. But then try this. If you go, okay, I can't grasp it right this second, but if some of you are telling the truth and they're the same thing, then what would you call that? How would you describe it? I don't know. I could make up a word and say, well, that's what it means. And I had to do it with Medivesco, so I can sure as hell make up a word. But I'm telling you, there is no word. I don't know how to describe it. There's your hint. It absolutely baffles the mind. Not my mind. It baffles the mind. Because at least I glossed over it too quickly. Am I not correct? It's not a trick question, but am I not correct that you, and once you ponder it for a second, you realize it's true with every other human. What goes on in your the conscious part of your brain, you, you think of it this way, you perceive it this way, you accept it this way, you talk about it this way, but you think about it this way, you and everyone else, that you have a mind, even if we can't really anatomically narrow it down, it's obviously, according to contemporary views, neurologically, that is not absolutely limited to the cerebral cortex. But consciousness says that we have a mind. There is some part of the brain, some combination, some of the molecular activity in the brain above the instinctive level that we call the mind. And what does the mind do? It thinks. And if I say, no, it's the same thing. There's not a mind that thinks. The mind and thinks are the same thing. Ask yourself, then you go, all right, what would you call that? Notice, you can't call it anything. Which is the secret in the idea of there's a great secret to awakening. Better put, there's a great secret to believing you're asleep. And there it is. You can't think about it. Oh, sure, you can think about it. But I assume you're not an idiot and think, well, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> it was better than Christmas to me. And the way it hit me initially, I've explained, I assume, enough to you, but uh, as seems to be the rule, probably as were you, the way it first hit me, I still remember, and it struck me, the thing believes it's a noun and a verb. Consciousness believes that it is a noun and a verb, and I realize it's not. But it, there is no doubt, consciousness. You, every human, believes that they have a mind, yes. And what does, what does the mind do? It thinks. So there's this thing that engages in some activity. Yes. No. No, you got to do is try to find it, and you can't. Well, once you know how to look just right, once you know how to kind of you know, get yourself all... Turned around in a very curious position and got eyebrows running in different directions and your eyes half squinted and wide open. And you look and you realize you can't think about it. Just to keep you off balance. Or to keep you balanced like the man that finally discovered underwear in his snake drawer. When you start seeing justice, 
you're, you're very close to being home. That is, when you do something horrible, like you spill a drink and you go, you damn idiot. All you got to do is see the other side of it. Ah! Snakes in my underwear drawer. All you got to do, though, is just wait, or else you know how to do it. Go directly from there to your snake drawer and look, and there'll be underwear. You can wait, and if you eventually wake up, you'll find it. But if you force it, if you know how to do it. At any rate, to balance out. Consciousness not being a verb and a noun. Let me go back to the opening again, which is the same thing put to you another way. And if any of you think that I'm repeating, if this is a repetition of something I wrote last time, by the way, you're incorrect is one reason I won't go back, but it struck me that it sounds superficially close to the, I think, the opening page of last time. But it is not. It's something slightly different, but of very specific significance, if you see it. If, as I stated last time, if everything, quote, you, think about you right now in quotation marks, if everything you do is the result of molecular activity going on in you, if you do anything, if you reach for that cup of coffee, Molecular activity in your muscles, to take it down to the basic level, it's molecular activity alone that made you able to reach for the coffee, to pick it up, to drink the coffee, to swallow the coffee, to digest it. All of that was based upon what's behind it all was molecular activity. Your hand was involved, your mouth was involved, but you know we're taking it down somewhere this side of the atomic level. It was molecular activity that's involved with everything you do. So if everything you do is a result of molecular activity and your you is also a manifestation of molecular activity, then it is not correct to say that you do things by causing certain molecular activity to occur, such as, well, I will reach for coffee. Right? If we stopped right there, you go, all right, then some molecular activity in the conscious part, the decision, the conscious decision making part of my brain, normally around the cortex, molecular activity there, directed molecular activity coming out down my brain stem, then into the right muscles, and directed my hand made my back bend over. Molecular activity was directed to do that by me, except we just pointed out that me, that is you, is a manifestation of molecular activity. So it is not correct to say that you do things. Well, that's just why I got to saying, it's still not correct to say that you do things by causing the appropriate molecular activity. Sounds all right, except for this. It was molecular activity, that is, that's all, that's all that you are. It was molecular activity that caused you to set the molecular activity in your arm muscles to set it going to reach the coffee in the first place. I then took it 
That's just true with everybody. Doesn't mean a thing to everybody else. But then I want you to try and consider it from our specific view, or our specialized view. We could say from a more mystical kind of view, based on what I just got through pointing out, then we have this. And I say that this is the very, a very accurate description of what being asleep is. What we call being asleep. That which annoys us. That which befuddles us. Here it is. This is the way it seems. That there is some molecular activity that occurs in you that some other molecular activities says should not occur. But which it seems powerless to stop. For a moment, forget the last part of the, after that last comma. But here it is. Back to my example. You pour yourself a glass of water, you sit there on the edge of the counter, and you realize it's on the edge, and you pulled it back so that, and you turned around and closed off the faucet, and while you were thinking about something else, you know how it goes, you turn back around with your elbow, knock off the water that you were just two seconds ago so careful to, to place. Right, molecular activity. There's no way around. Molecular activity was behind everything in that example I just said, because it's behind everything that we do, our very life. Molecular activity caused you to be thirsty to get up and pour yourself a glass of water. It caused you to sit it there. Molecular activity also is what caused you to pull it back because it was too close to the edge and it could have tipped over and you pulled it back. Molecular activity, you turned around to turn off the faucet. Molecular activity was going on in your brain. It was causing you to be somewhere else, thinking about something else. And you turned around and knocked it off. Molecular activity was involved with all of that. It's a simple fact. Like being asleep or trying to awaken, wanting to achieve enlightenment, I say could be described thus. That there, now remember this is, I'm just, it's a setup. But is this not correct? It would seem then, see the first part was supposed to get to the point to say, well, nobody's responsible for anything or there's no way in and no way out that I got up and poured myself a glass of water, and I made my molecules, I made the activity, the molecular activity, start up that made me stand up, walk to the sink, walk to the cabinets, get out a glass, pour the water. I produced that molecular activity except for this. Molecular activity is all that, quote, I am. It was molecular activity that made me thirsty, made me think about it. This molecular activity is all I am anyway. And so where's the thing that I made my molecules do it? My molecules made me do it. Or my molecules made me do something that made my, some other molecules do something. The activity of thirst molecules made my cortex molecules tell my leg molecules, stand up and go to the sink, and then tell my hand molecules, get a glass and pour some water. You could say that, but then you're kind of stuck. You know, it's a house of mirrors. And you, and you could say, well, what's the point? You know, all you're doing is creating mental gridlock. <laughs> ah, but if that were only true. But anyway. <clears throat> well, I, I could always hear someone saying that. No one's ever said it to me. <clears throat> but I could imagine me having said it to somebody years ago. At any rate, so that's the setup, right? You got that. So then we could say, all right, 
then there's more to it. There's another way to look at it, an additional way to look at it. That if that's the way everyone is, then you know, why are we upset? Everybody else lives with it. What's going on with us? How's it different? And I say it's this way. Now, this is still a setup. This is not the punchline yet. I could say, okay, there is something else that I should describe, another way to look at it. What I just described is true concerning everybody and everything we do. But now concerning people like us who believe that they're not in the right state of consciousness, that they should be in some other state. Here's the way it seems to them, still based upon what I just described, which is an inescapable reality. I could say, is this not true? Now, what's going on with our sort, taking the same sort of model, basically, there would seem to be some molecular activity in us that believes other types of molecular activity in us should not occur. In other words, I should not knock over glasses. Of course, thinking at a more metaphysical level, we have groups of molecules. As Sufis used to say, you have one eye that wants to awaken, and then you've got all these other eyes, these sleeping eyes, that don't cooperate, know nothing about it, or if they hear about it, they don't cooperate, and blah, 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 in the conference of the birds. You've got the birds. The problem of the birds and that have, they have no speaker of the house. They have no king. Consider it the way I'm putting it to you, which is closer to the physiological truth, the description is, that it would seem then that we have some group of molecules that looks, you know, some, some act, molecular activity, it's in our brain, that looks at other molecular activity, other, not itself, other molecular activity, and thinks, says, concludes, this should not occur. This activity should not be here. I could say those molecules, but we're back to nouns and verbs. Molecular activity should not be here. Uh, parenthetically, may I point this out? I said the first part applied to everybody. Even this applies to everybody. They, it just doesn't amount to anything. That is, when people want to improve themselves. Anybody condemns themselves. Anybody that drops a glass doesn't take a mystic, they probably go, damn. There's they bang up their car on the garage door. Shit, what's wrong with me? You know, they can say, I should quit smoking. I should quit drinking. I should eat less. What they're saying is, without knowing it, is that there's one group of molecules, one group of molecular activity in me, the one that says, I should cut down on fats, that is saying to another group of molecules as though I have different groups of molecules in me, that one group is me, and then these other molecular activity in some way, don't ask me how, it's not me. It's just in here. Because it's obviously me that's not eating too much fat because the molecular activity is me just decided we shouldn't eat that much fat. So it's not me doing it. It's this other group of molecular activity that has some sort of insatiable appetite for fat. It shouldn't be here. I've got to overcome it. Uh, to me, the arctic is beyond I should cut down on drinking or smoking or eating fat. It's that I should not be asleep. I should not be subject to, still engaging in, sleeping, deluded behavior. So no matter how you cut it, you are still saying, 
there is some molecular activity in me that looks at other molecular activity in me and says this activity should not occur. But the activity that seems to decide that also seems helpless to stop it. Okay. Except for this. It's hilarious. Because we're back to where we started last time, and I just got through pointing out again, there is no grander illusion. I don't know how you can fail not to be hypnotized, almost in an awakened sense, hypnotized by it. The absolute insanity, insanity doesn't cover it. When you see it, it's just inexplicable when you, when you see it. You are nothing but molecular activity. Everything you do, everything you think is caused by molecular activity. There is no molecular activity that is not you. There is not molecular activity going on in you that's not you. Even if you've got a tumor, it's your tumor. They can't take it away from you. There's nothing going on. There is no molecular activity in anyone that is not them. And there is no molecular activity in you, some specialized group, and only that group, that is you. Now I refer you back to consciousness, perceiving itself to be a thing that engages in some action. I won't name names, but I believe that in my mystical way, I just heard somebody's brain back there in the back go, God, I'm glad it's Friday. I don't have to hear more of this shit until Monday. Oh! Well, come over and stay with me and you can hear it all the time. <laughs> Run a patch cord between my ear and yours and listen in. That's horrible. I bet if you people had my brain, all of you would be crazy. <laughs> well, never mind. I, that was a joke for you people out there and non-funny land. See you Monday. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.